weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Big thanks to the two Johnnies for taking us through this afternoon here on 2FM. It is Wednesday, February 15th. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up this evening, David Snade will be chatting all things association football as we review last night's Champions League in previews. Uh, preview tonight's round of 16 ties as well as the small matter of the top two in the English Premier League squaring off in London. In Gaelic Games, Nadine Doherty is in situ to look ahead at a big weekend in the Lidl National Leagues while Ursula Jacob will be dialing in to chat Camogie ahead of the inter-county return this weekend. And with the Ireland women's cricket team in T20 World Cup action, Nathan Johns is live in South Africa for us with an update on their clash with Pakistan that is ongoing at the moment. All that plus the rest of today's news makes up the show. If you want to get in touch, well, please do. You can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening. It is a great to have your company on this Wednesday evening, wherever in the world you are tuning in from. A couple of news headlines to fly straight into before we chat to David Snaid and Nadine Doherty, who are waiting patiently across the room from me. Uh, firstly, FIFA has confirmed that USA, Mexico and Canada will automatically qualify for the 2026 World Cup. The three countries won the right to host the World Cup in a united North American bid. FIFA historically has given host nations the right to play in the World Cup without going uh, through the usual qualification tournaments. Uh, though this time for the first time FIFA had to set aside three host bids the tournament is set to expand from 32 teams to 48 unfortunately in my opinion in 2026 another uh, three berths will be awarded to CONCACAF nations via qualifying in rugby France prop Uni Antonio has received a three-match ban after being cited for a dangerous tackle on Ireland hooker Rob Herring during Saturday's Six Nations game in Dublin. Antonio was suspended for Les Bleus Six Nations fixtures with Scotland, England and Wales. However, an independent judicial committee granted an application by Antonio to take part in a coaching intervention programme which means he will be available to face Wales on 18th of March if he completes it. Meanwhile, Ireland international Hugo Keenan has signed a three-year contract with the IRFU. Keenan is the first player to come through the Sevens programme to earn a Central 15s contract. And finally, in university sport, well, UCD will be heading into the League of Ireland season this Friday as Collingwood Cup champions they were crowned champions for a 49th time after Ronan Cowie's stop-a-chime goal and a brace from Kieran Bean earned them a 3-2 win over UL in Larne uh, this afternoon. Uh, scenes, as they say, up in Larne there. Uh, while in Gaelic football, the Sigerson Cup final throws in at half-seven tonight with UL and UCC facing for the facing off for the biggest prize in third-level Gaelic football. It is the second time the two teams will meet this year after UL prevailed in the first round of the competition. Sinead or news headlines. David and Nadine, how are you both? Yeah, great. We're just uh, talking there about our five-a-side Astro um, careers and <laughs> Sunday league careers. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty brief. <laughs> 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 right, well, I, I won't follow up on that. I won't follow that. Uh, indeed, I do want to ask, uh, just because I mentioned Sigerson Cup there and Collingwood Cup, um, I, I saw the goal on Twitter there. The Collingwood Cup was a cracker. It was a cracker finish for, it, yeah. for UCD, yeah. yeah. Dundalk should be worried now this Friday, UCD facing in the League of Ireland. We will, we will be getting on the League of Ireland. Uh, but the O'Connor Cup, what's the, what's the situation there, Nadine? Yeah, so I suppose, Shane, always a brilliant competition. You know, I remember playing it myself and it's a great opportunity to, you know, if you're from a a lesser known county let's say it's always a great opportunity to, to mix with the best and develop your game and it's such a high standard and what I always love about it you know I suppose there's fewer systems in place there's a bit of a freedom to, to play a bit of football and mm. looking at the results from round one there were like UCG beat uh DIT 7-14 to 7-11 so there's a, a great bit of freedom but in terms I suppose of, of results this week was round two and it was a repeat of last year's final uh, and UL the defending champions they beat UCC by two points yesterday so that was round two so they have two from two um, and look it's the second round of, of seven so it'll go on now for the next few weeks and then it'll finish in a couple of weeks time with the, the weekend the O'Connor Cup weekend but you know UL DCU they've UCC they've 
really dominated the competition in the last five years and then you throw in UCG and, and UCD who have a great I suppose history and tradition in the competition so as I said always really really competitive and uh, real top teams and you, you look at the teams now in Division 1 and Division 2 in the league and mm. you can pick out the players who are playing college football because they have that little pep in their step and you know they're that bit fitter but uh, it's a great competition to keep track of and what I would say if people you know are local and live near a, a university no more than the Sigerson it's a great standard of football and, and get down there and watch a few games Absolutely and you mentioned those lower counties for want of a better phrase but I think it's the likes of Leitrim players and Clare players and the Sigerson who are being represented and they're flying as well and UL so UL fancy for an O'Connor final they're in a Sigerson Cup final and they've played in a Collingwood Cup final. That's, yeah, I'd that's, say there's a few scholarships been handed out. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, we will be crossing live to Nathan Johns uh, in South Africa um, because Ireland are currently facing Pakistan. They won the toss earlier uh, and put Pakistan at the bat. About 15 or so overs gone so far. Pakistan 120 for two. So Nathan Johns will have the full details on that very shortly. But um, Nadine, you're sticking around. We're going to be chatting uh, Lidl Nationals League uh, a bit later on. David, we will be chatting Champions League and Premier League. But you know what? I'm going to go a bit rogue here I'm going to go a bit off script throw the papers away here and David I know you're not on for the rest of the week and I'm not on for the rest of the week and Nadine as well and Marie is doing a big League of Ireland preview tomorrow night not to be missed bumper guest uh, picked for that and lined up but you know what sod it let's chat League of Ireland it's a League of Ireland week let's exactly, just yeah, yeah. get a bit excited a bit excited it's like you don't, you don't build up the Christmas day just that week deal exactly yeah you can't just have a one-off show here you know you have, you, have to, you have to press it on first and foremost David before we get into can Rovers be stopped and what's your hot take for League of Ireland season Nadine we were chatting off air now I know you're a proud Donegal woman and you always keep an eye on Finn Harps but we have to have now because you're a regular guest on Game On we have to get you a League of Ireland team so we we're thinking geographically where I know if you don't want to reveal where you're living in Dublin, but but whereabouts kind of where where would you be and what club might be closest? I suppose conveniently for for us it would be Shelburne. Really? really? Yeah, Jeez, yeah. And that's I'm, no yes. influence there. It's just no none whatsoever. Yeah. So it's up to you now to, to take me along to a game. Well, see, see, the, good, the good thing is as well because there's so many clubs in Dublin. People people criticise this. <laughs> but if you did want it, like no, you always speak to, speak to people back in the old days, even in uh, in Manchester and stuff, and they're called purples, where they would go to City one week and then to United the other week and kind oh, of mix right. and match just when it was a bit friendlier. Even with Liverpool as well, then we'd go maybe Liverpool one week, ever in the next. Nadine's just be kind of ground hopping around. Uh, yeah, you get one of those um, vlogs. Yeah. You, know, you see on like you see lads coming over now from YouTube and all doing kind of doing different kind of stadium tours. That's what you could be doing now That's for, uh, for the season enough ahead. Going on now. <laughs> <laughs> vlogging around the place. Well, listen, Shelburne are facing Drogheda in Tolka Park. It's your closest stadium. You might have to go across the tolls. We'll sort that out. Don't worry. You I can, can hop on the bike. If yeah, you there you go. Yeah, there there you go. go. Um, no, it is. I cannot wait for the season. Uh, on a more, um, well, it's not a serious note. That is a serious note. They didn't get yourself down to League of Ireland. <laughs> but no, Jane Mangan has been on and she's crying out for a League of Ireland team as well, which she's been on. Um, can anyone stop Shamrock Rovers realistically, David? Yeah, like Derry, Derry City are the team who everyone are going to be looking at. Like that's mm. pretty obvious just off what happened last season, winning the FAI Cup, and the fact that they did up until I'd say quite quite close to the mid-season break, they did look as if they were going to be the team who were actually going to win the league. They were kind of not that they were racing clear, but they were just looking seriously impressive, mm. and they tapered off. And then Shamrock Rovers' experience just kind of told through then at the end in the season. And then this year you're kind of looking now in terms of some of the players that that Derry have actually brought in. The manager, obviously, Rudy Higgins, just is that little bit more experienced as well, and they're the, they are they are going to be the team that people will be looking at. But then, like I was at an event during the week with for St Patrick's Athletic, and like Tim Clancy, their manager, was speaking to a group of fans there, the patron saints who kind of would do a lot, a lot for for the club there, and he was kind of saying, do you know what, suit him a little bit that maybe clubs aren't or people aren't looking at Pats from the outside because obviously Pats have lost Adam O'Reilly as well, who was mm. one of their most influential players last year. He's gone to Derry. He's a kind of just midfielder who brings just so much energy and drive to a team, and like that could be something that Derry you would imagine would actually benefit a lot from in terms of maybe just giving them that little bit of a different dimension but for Tim Clancy he was making that point as well that just you know what maybe it doesn't it suit them to maybe go under under the radar a little bit and that's the beauty of this week and that's the beauty of before going in is that managers will feel confident players will feel confident and then what's that famous line from boxer or everything you can do all the preparation in the world and someone punches in the face isn't it so like, that's mm. what's going to happen now whereby this Friday and at the weekend as well it's like obviously play Shamrock Rovers on Saturday you kind of get another bit of a sense of where teams are at and slowly but surely I just I just 
just going off what happened last year as well, I don't think it is going to be one of those seasons where maybe you have that little bedding in process a little bit and you kind of feel your way in and then get onto the run of form. I think it is going to be a case of, especially with Rovers and with Derry and, and, and Pats and Dundalk as well because they were the top four last year. If you do want to have that challenge, you have to hit the ground running and get that momentum early. Um, and especially then European football comes into play in the summertime too. So, yeah, no, it's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. Very much so. I cannot wait. And you mentioned hit the ground running because they've had the betting in period. Say Derry have, have have kind of built this the project and they're trying to get players from from in the area as well. I know they've signed Adam O'Reilly and, and, and stuff like that. But they're and then you're trying to chase Rovers, Decky Devine with Bowes. Then the likes of what how Dundalk will fare now and Pats now that the managers have been there for a season and they they're truly embedded in the teams. I think it's what Finn Harps and and Davy Rogers will be the only one that you're like. Well, what will we expect? Perhaps mm. even Damien Duff in the shells. Now he's had his first season and he's tried to to you know just knock away all the hype and everything. Even though there's a few quotes that some people may disagree with and in, in, in his opinion. But listen, you know, hated or adored, never ignored. So you know he's he's still in the in in the headlines. But look, listen, it's going to be a, a great League of Ireland season, and uh, I cannot wait for it. it kicks off uh, this weekend, of course. And I say Marie. Uh, and the lads will be uh, previewing that tomorrow. David, you're sticking around. Nadine, you're sticking around. However, Nathan Johns is joining us now live from South Africa uh, at the T20 Women's World Cup, Ireland-Pakistan. I mentioned earlier, Nathan, uh, Ireland won the toss and put Pakistan into bowl. Has that been the right decision so far? Well, I think it was, at the time it was the right decision, but they might live to regret it now. Pakistan are got off to an excellent start. They've got three overs left in their innings. They're 137 already they're Ireland they're looking at chasing well over 150 160 which will be a big task and it'll be a chase that keeps them in the tournament they, they pretty much have to win this one so it hasn't gone to plan at all in the first half of this game um, Pakistan have 18 deliveries left and like I said they'll be looking at a, at a pretty mammoth total Ireland haven't helped themselves with a few drop catches um, particularly of the set batter Maniba Ali who is now on 86 not out so they've shot themselves in the foot at times but also Pakistan are, have been playing very well so far so big, big ask to say the least for the Irish batters. To say the least, yeah. But look, they wanted to bat second because it's batting under lights. It's now dark here in Cape Town, and the ball just comes onto the bat a little bit more nicely. It's easier to time it well, so they will have the more advantageous batting conditions. That's kind of the, the one silver lining in all this. And look, they, 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 their philosophy is to go hard and be aggressive, and now they've got no choice, and they're going to have to be very aggressive and just to score these runs. Uh, and get them as quickly as possible and look like I said they've got the more advantageous batting conditions this evening so look stranger things have happened um, more, bigger upsets have have occurred uh, but they will be certainly up against us Final one for you Nathan I know it's not looking great at the moment for this particular match in terms of uh, Irish fortunes but bigger picture is this one they would have been targeting or is it similar to the England match of let's just take the, the learnings from it for want of a better phrase Nah, absolutely. This is one they targeted, to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. They beat Pakistan 2-1 in a series in Pakistan in November. Uh, so they certainly would have come into this this tournament. Pakistan and West Indies, who they play on Friday, those are the two sides that they really were targeting for wins. England and India, either side of that, look, you need you need a good day out. But these it, Pakistan should be well matched to them talent-wise. So it, it, will, it will be frustrating uh, for sure. Um, but look, like I said, it, it looks like it could well be a very high-scoring game and you don't know how good a pitch is until two sides have, have have batted on it and we still have to see Ireland go yet. So we'll see what happens. OK, great stuff. Nathan, thank you very much uh, for taking the call. Pakistan 140 for, for two at the moment there. We'll keep you updated with that. We won't be checking back in with Nathan, but uh, we will be keeping you updated with the score there in South Africa. OK, time to take a quick break and then we'll be chatting more football with David Snade. Game on. European football. Yeah, you're very welcome back to Game On on this uh, Wednesday evening. David Snade from, of the 42.ie still in studio with me to look ahead at the Champions League and Premier League matches. But first, before we preview, let us review two matches last night. PSG nil, Bayern Munich 1 and AC Milan 1, uh, Tottenham Hotspur nil. Uh, let us start with PSG Bayern, uh, I suppose. Kingley Coman repeating his 2020 Champions League final heroics as Munich beat PSG in their last 16. First leg tie, the Frenchman volleyed home the winner early in the second half and Paris Coman also scored the only goal when Bayern, of course, overcame his former club PSG to win the trophy three years ago. No celebration from Coman. That beautiful respect and everything there. It was great to see, wasn't it? 
It's a gentleman's game. No, I was really hoping you're. I, I, I was really hoping you're going to say you wanted to start with uh, AC Milan Spurs because <laughs> I was. It gave me an. It gave me an excuse to be able to continue on the League of Ireland tread. Oh, go on yeah, then. Go on. Any excuse. Man. All news has to be local, yeah. right? So Brahim Diaz was scored for AC Milan yeah. against Spurs. One of Jack Bourne's best friends. The two what? of them lived together when they were at Manchester City. Coming up. No yeah. way. So I have to go on a slight tangent just okay. to uh, make that point. Well, we were going to get there. So there is yeah. a League of Ireland link for that as well. Just for the week, that's in it. Mm. Um, well, well, speaking of which, I suppose. <laughs> PSG did miss Kylian Mbappe, David, and the importance of Kylian Mbappe, I suppose, is nearly akin to the importance of Shane Farrell with Shelburne. And Shane Farrell, of course, was injured for the FA Cup, FAI Cup final, which Shell's loss and PSG lost yesterday it was an unfit um, Kylian Mbappe. And I, I think he did a really good piece in the 42.e yeah. on, on that. I met, I met one of those players for a coffee in Fingless. It wasn't Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> You should have just yeah, left it. Yeah. I'll, I'll let our listeners <laughs> guess. Probably, probably wasn't uh, needed just to clarify that. Yeah, no, Shane Farrell, one of one of the good guys in the League of Ireland. Yeah, yeah very much so. Very much so. But no, that game last night, I just part of me obviously Killing Mbappe comes on, and you're kind of hoping, oh, you know, it's great. He's a bit rusty because obviously he picked up that injury, and you kind of back, and if you have your Ireland hat on, France play Ireland, obviously in March in mm. the first uh, Euro qualifier. But he came on, and it kind of that was the kind of bit of a spark that actually gave PSG a little bit of light and kind of made Bayern Munich maybe actually feel not not so comfortable in the game. Now, obviously, they still they still got through, and you would expect it, but it's just I'll be honest. If like, if you're talking about like the purest, then and anybody in a football fan should actually be loving the fact that PSG are an absolute mess and a mm-hmm. rabble, and it just kind of goes to show that any sports washing project and all the money in the world doesn't amount to anything if you haven't got a solid manager in there or you actually haven't got players who actually properly want to play with each other. And then like, I was like searching on, online uh, this morning just after the match just to kind of see what some of the reaction was. And there was a great, apparently there was a quote from from Mbappe to Canal Plus in France after the game saying that basically if all our players sleep well and eat well and prepare well between now and the next leg they stand a chance which is probably uh, as thin a, thinly veiled dig at Neymar as you're probably going to get um, is, is that a big issue like I mean it's all these stars they don't seem to be getting on from the outside looking in and then you'd be worried yeah. for, for Crystal Caltier then the manager as well I know and that's all you can do like, for us like, yeah. and as a journalist normally if you're covering if you're covering a team you kind of want to obviously get in touch with contacts and get an idea of what's going on obviously PSG wouldn't be the beat that I would traditionally go. Um, but like you're, you're when you're more act- of a coffee and fingless. Yeah, man. exactly. You know what I mean. But but then when you actually you read you read it, the, the people who are fully informed, and it just does seem to be a case that they just can't they just can't gel the properly. They just can't get an actual work upon a system that actually works and will get the best out of players. And but like, that lies, said, it's the fault of that lie at the manager. Well, it's probably the manager, but then obviously before that you've got the situation where obviously Leonardo was in there as a technical director. Obviously, it's their own, the club are owned by, by Qatar. Mm. And it's an interesting one because like PSG, you look at it, if people would maybe associate PSG only with, with what's happened over the last few years and the sports washing that's gone on with Qatar because there's no other way of describing it. That's exe- essentially what they ha- have been. But they are the club that have a serious hardcore of actual supporters in, in Paris. Like Paris has produced, and suburbs around Paris have produced some of the greatest footballers the world has seen. And some of the fans who go to those games are incredibly loyal and incredibly de- dedicated, just like fans who will go to the League of Ireland, who will go to Premier League games, who go to across the world. You know what I mean? Mm. Football isn't really different much around the world. You know what I mean? There can be different, I don't know, like cultures and, yeah. and how you support but at the end of the day if you love your, your team whatever yeah. the sport is you are going to go and be fanatical about it yeah exactly so but like and you'd wonder what some of those hardcore would feel because it just feels as if like, the heart and soul really has been actually ripped out of the club because they're there for one reason and it's to try and deliver one trophy for what their project is and the way they're going about it, it just doesn't look as if they're going to be capable of doing it and you'd have to fancy now Bayern Munich with a one day lead going back being at home in the next leg that they should be capable of at least I can't see them losing and then being able to go through. But mm. then they have got Kylian Mbappe. And like, he, I'm trying to think. And the return leg isn't until, what, 8 of March as yeah, well? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's a little bad. He's fit by then. And then, like, fully fit and forward and all sinners by that point. But I don't know. You just, you kind of just wonder would, would maybe an away game, even for that PSG team, actually maybe suit them, perhaps in the sense of let Bayern Munich come on to them a bit, bit more. And then you have Kylian Mbappe hitting them on the break. He's already done it. It was just literally rocking his brains there a second ago where he actually scored a couple, a couple of goals against them in the Champions League mm. not so long ago. And some, like, he's just sensational. Like he is, he is at the moment probably the best player in the world, isn't he? Mm. So 
But that's Until he comes up against Nathan Collins, that is. Don't worry about that now. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, well, Nathan Collins can't get a game at Wolves at the moment. He's been, he's been rested. So that's, that's, yeah. that's the... Yeah, but, um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's a strange one because like on the face of it, you would feel sympathy for an element and a section of what, what PSG stands for and what it used to stand for. But then when you see what what it really stands for now at the moment you can't have yeah. any sympathy at all No very much so and I saw the players going over to the ultras at the end to, to apologise as well I look forward to the conversation David when uh, the Qatari owners buy Man United and we have you in to, to chat about that and your, your take on that because yeah I, I completely agree I would I don't know how I'd react if my club was bought by questionable human rights records uh, and, and everything else to go with, with sports washing uh, one thing before we move on to Milan Spurs would you both like to feel really old yeah yeah, that's what, that's what we had the conversation yeah. with Astro. Yeah, about Astro at the start. Well, this will even even further increase that. There, there was a start, of course, last night for PSG midfielder Warren Zairi Emery, who at 16 years and 343 days became the youngest player ever to start a Champions League knockout stage game. The Frenchman was born in 2006, the same year in which Messi, who was 35, won his first Champions League title. There you go. Yikes. See, I already felt old. I think I felt. You felt old when you hobbled into the studio. Also like. hobbled, but also like there's like there's again without getting without going on another tangent on this. But like there's lads in my football team who weren't born when Saipan happened and actually have no idea what. Actually, I remember overhearing a conversation where lads were were talking about about Roy Keane and stuff, and I obviously brought up Saipan, and they were like, "What?" Oh. So I'm talking about feeling old. My God. Yeah, you just have to go into work every day, really. Yeah, <laughs> just, just ignore it. Ignore like, what were you doing at 16 years and 343 days? When <laughs> not playing in Champions League? I was, I was in Ballyferma College of Further Education. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> you're representing well, Donegal, I'd yeah, say. I yeah, I actually was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the club. I think I was 12 when I played for the club at really? senior level. Yeah. Things were very different back then, senior. obviously. Senior yeah. Gone off on a ma- massive tangent, but Joe Canning, I only found out, was 11 when he played an under-21 game for the club. Wow. Madness. However, uh, soccer. Um, Milan Spurs, not a great game. Uh, Milan won Spurs nil, ah, squandered a couple of chances. Spurs were obviously missing a few players. They'd skip and Sar, who we chatted about yesterday with Mark Langdon and David Connolly about this young, untested uh, midfield pairing. How would they would handle Fraser uh, Forster? Get the goalkeeper plug in. What a save, even though he mm. did concede the goal, but the save initially. Um, oh, what you take from it really are, are, where Spurs should go through still Spurs? yeah no no. I don't fancy at all no. I didn't fancy them either and then I was putting me place by Mark Langdon and David Connolly yesterday they're a bit more optimistic and positive you're, you're on the side of no, not having it no well like if you look at if you look at Spurs like they're similar to what we're saying about saying Bappe and PSG like they're a counter attacking team mm. like once you give Spurs the ball and say right go break us down they've got nothing about them in that regard do you know what I mean like if you give Spurs opportunities to just have the ball they've got obviously Hoiberg in midfield Benton Cornell obviously is, is injured he has got a little bit about him but he's not a creative player he's not going to cut you open that's a part of the reason why um Oh my God, I'm not forgetting the manager's name. He's how is he gone? Conte. Conte. How is that going over my head? Because um, he wasn't around for a few weeks. Well, no, so, yeah. So, you know, but, sorry, but, but with Conte, what, what, what was fascinating was people say about, you know, Harry Kane's new role in terms of dropping a bit deeper. Part of the reason for that is because they've got no one creating that in, in midfield. So once Kane was actually beginning to do that and was actually showing how, how adept he was at, at actually dropping in and having runners off him like say Son and Kulevzeski that's where Spurs would now have all their threat but even with Son he's gone off the boil mm. slightly Kulevzeski doesn't seem to have that same bit of just a bit of bite and a bit of tenacity about him so like when when Kane now was dropping in and he's trying to actually get those balls into midfield and he, he's so smart and he's so clever like he he doesn't even have to be on the half turns sometimes to even play a pass. He already knows what's happening. But because he hasn't got those runners the other side of him, that's where Spurs are struggling big time. And in the league, it's part of the reason why they can pull out an unbelievable result against Manchester City and then get absolutely battered away from home by Leicester. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like They're just so inconsistent because that's just the nature of the team and where some of those players are at. So I would say if you in a couple of more weeks when they play in obviously at Tottenham, the Tottenham Stadium, it's going to be a case of Milan sitting in Spores will have loads of the ball, probably do nothing with it. Kane might pop up with a bit of magic, but as long as, so long as they just keep it tight and actually con- uh, condense the space, it's very little Spores are going to be able to do. And then you're looking at some of the players that Milan could have on the on the counter attack, like Jack Burns, me playing Diaz. Diaz. You know, he could obviously cause a bit of trouble, but then they also have, you know, Leo up front as well. Again, they just, they, I think they just could have that little bit of. Just a little bit of an edge about them to actually get over that. And if you look at what happened with AC Milan, like they were kind of struggling up until the weekend before that when they got a win against Torino. 
this way and maybe galvanise them a little bit. Sometimes teams, maybe when they're struggling domestically, if they get that bit between the teeth in a, in a cup competition, that can bring out the best of them. And you kind of feel it. So that's what AC Milan could do now. I fully expect AC Milan to be able to at least get a draw away from home. It's just because sports are just so incapable mm. of breaking a stubborn team down. Well, Spurs might have new owners by the time they meet again. Uh, they have uh, the club have declined the comment about reports that billionaire uh, Jam Najafi is set to launch a three point one billion pound takeover of the club. The Iranian American um, is a chair of sports investment company MSP Sports Capital, uh, and it is reported that Najafi is weeks away from approaching Tottenham owner Joe Lewis and Spurs chairman Daniel Levy. Najafi is a minority shareholder in NBA team Phoenix Suns. Just in case you were wondering, there. Uh, let us move. On uh, to this evening's matches: um, Dortmund, Chelsea, and Club Brugge, the hipsters' favourite these days uh, against Benfica. Have they overtaken Dortmund as the, the hipsters' favourite in the Champions League now? I think Union Berlin are kind of the the general European yeah. hipsters' favourite. But I think once I think it looks as if Union Berlin will actually qualify, won't it? Now they're, they're flying it at the top mm. of the Bundesliga, with obviously challenging um, Munich. Munich, yeah. yeah. So I think that that will kind of edge them clear. I, I kind of think maybe that. I was going to say Club Bruges, just, I'd say Bruges just because ah, of the Brugge. film in Bruges. Brugge. Yeah, but it's yeah. not in Bruges. The film isn't called in Bruges, is the it? The city's Bruges, the club's Bruges. Is that how it? Okay. Mm. Ruby yeah. Walsh pulled me up in this. And every day, I every day is a learning day. <laughs> yeah. But then I think they lose points because Scott Parker's a manager. Yeah, and and the anti-hipster. The way, you know, like, the, those, like, pristine jackets and everything. Like, but. like, Scott Parker's a man who wears, like, a three and a half thousand pound cardigan to matches, so no <laughs> manager who was that can be classed as a manager of a hipster club. Well, speaking of managers, Benfica are um, favourites uh, to progress in that tie. Uh, that is, Club Brugge are playing in Bruges uh, against uh, Benfica this evening. But uh, one man in the spotlight is Graham Potter, and there's some very interesting quotes that I want to get your take on, on... Um, Anger, I suppose, is, is how to tee this one up. What's made you angry in the past year or so? Is or is it anything make you angry? Hmm. Apart from these questions. Um, I would say, well, I'm careful not to get into discussion with the, the media, through the media. Um, of course I get angry. I'm a human being, just like you. Um, it's just that I choose to conduct myself the way that I think is the right way to conduct myself on the side. Um, I think the same media are talking about me being more angry and then running running stories about problems with referees at grassroots football. I don't see the connection. Um, that's not to say that we don't all lose our temper because we do, because it's an emotional thing but at the same time I think I have a responsibility to myself to Chelsea and to the game to act in the way that I think is the right thing for me not for anybody else but for me if you think that you can start a coaching career in the ninth tier of English football in the northern counties not the Prem the northern counties division one and get to this point now as the, in the Chelsea um, Champions League without getting angry or being nice then I would suggest you don't know anything about anything well I think even the deep breaths to the microphone and how he was uh, pronouncing all his words so perfectly and calmly um, showed that there was a lot of feeling behind those comments as well is that a frustrated man with all the eyes on him I mean he's Chelsea manager what do you expect I'd say he's just frustrated because like, I remember listening to this earlier and just cringing at the nature of the question and cringing at the whole like topic of it and saying like, he's supposed to be getting angry. It was the same a couple of weeks ago where he was asked about it and he said something else and it's this whole thing it just shows you like how like English like English football and just some of the kind of like the talk around it it still so much seems to be trapped and stuff about 30 years ago where it's like oh, the manager on the sideline has to be like a lunatic or something are going on and it has to be like drilling fellas and all the rest of it and has to be kind of on on referees' backs and you hear the points that Graham Potter is making. Like, people were lauding Graham Potter when he was at Brighton because he was this calm, just not clinical or cold, but just a calm figure and a presence and had a plan and had a structure of knowing of what he wanted from his teams. And he's gone into an environment now at Chelsea where they're signing players nearly every week up, and, up until the transfer window and they've spent what 300 odd million in one transfer window on mm. players Everton has been thrown out the window and like you hear people like Rio Ferdinand saying he should be more like Klopp or he should be more like Guardiola he'd be the first person that if he was doing that they'd be saying oh he's not being himself he's changed and he's not the manager he was he's like lost a run of himself like 
when he got the job at Chelsea, he wore instead of wearing a tracksuit on the touchline, he wore like his jacket and he wore like a like a, a gilet or whatever. Mm. And he was getting he was told that you know he's changed and even how he how he looks in the perception, like players got like a, a barber to come in or even his players got a barber to come into the training ground to cut their hair because obviously professional footballers they're not going to just pop down to Paddy's Barbers down the road and get a haircut for the tenor they're going to obviously want to get a fella coming in just because it saves them the hassle and Graham Potter needed a haircut so we asked him oh will you cut your hair and he cut his hair from and then he's getting stick because apparently he has a fancy haircut of fade do you know what I mean yeah it's like it's like he's he can't do right for doing wrong and the reason why it's happening is purely because the results aren't going well at the pitch at the moment that's why he's being asked these questions so and they, I think they will come with Chelsea if he gives, if he's given that bit of time at the moment in terms of the rest of the season get through that have a full pre-season with as settled a squad as can possibly be the Champions League like what I was saying earlier sometimes when your league form is maybe struggling if you can get a bit of momentum from doing well in a different competition and a different cup that could do him the world of good but all this talk about him getting angry or how he conducts himself it's just it's like nonsense mm. absolute nonsense and like what he says there at the end of it you know about you know nothing about nothing if you think that's how he's got to where he has been and all the rest of it it's, he's so right like he's mm. dealing with these people asking these questions because they're trying to have a narrative you know what I mean like Graham Potter is like he's it's just I, I'm even talking about it I'm almost getting annoyed. I'm almost getting annoyed on his behalf because like yeah. the very the very stuff that people were as we're saying were lauding him for and saying he's the new modern vibrant coach who doesn't lose the head gives players clear instructions never seems to be flustered by stuff that very stuff that was basically part of the reason why people are saying he fit the bill perfectly for this Chelsea job is now being used against him mm. it's no, just it bizarre is. you'd it's rather bizarre. have that it's because he's not getting results yeah. that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and that's what it will define him and like any manager in the job do you know what I mean like if he starts that's what he'll have to do now that's what is more important for him and I'd say as a manager what's probably doing doing his head in more is the fact that he knows that there's been so much upheaval at Chelsea mm. in the time he's been there he just wants to work within that structure a set of structure that had been there in terms of the players understanding them knowing who they are what how they can actually get the best out of them and being able to deliver that because he's shown as a coach previously that when he has that he's more than capable of doing it yeah absolutely in a sentence will Chelsea get a result against Dortmund this evening? Mm, I think they got a draw, yeah. Draw. Although, okay. in fairness, they like Dortmund have like won six games this season. Oh, six games this year, haven't they? So, yeah. I think they get a draw, though, yeah. Dortmund banging form at the moment as well. Um, okay, good stuff. Let us cross live to London because Nigel Bidmead has team news ahead of Arsenal versus Manchester City. I do indeed, uh, Shane. Arsenal have made a couple of changes. Uh, Manchester City have made one. The good news for City, I should tell you straight away, is Erling Haaland is fit and uh, plays. Uh, for Arsenal, um, Thomas Partey is injured. A bit of a surprise. So Jorginho, the January signing from Chelsea, comes in. That's one change. The other change is at right back, where Ben White drops to the bench and Takahiro uh, Tomiyasu, the Japan international, is the replacement. Now, for City, the one change for them is in um, defence, where Nathan Ake comes in for Laporte, um, who is among the substitutes. Now, City played a, uh, well, kind of funky, I guess, 3-2-4-1 uh, um, against Aston Villa when they won 3-1. So we'll have to see if they uh, shape up like that. Um, you know, Pep Guardiola does have a reputation of overthinking things for the big game. So um, we'll have to see how they line up. But that's certainly how they lined up last time. Arsenal, 4-3-3, but some interesting team news. Is there an air of nervous anticipation around the Emirates at the moment? Wasn't that long ago since Arsenal were at eight points clear, title wrapped up, and now that's certainly not the case? Yeah, but I, th I also think, um, Shane, it's a case of, um, you know, look, is this team good enough? Uh, and is the squad good enough? Obviously, they are going to have to do without a uh, key midfielder party tonight. So that will test the squad. Every time Arsenal have been set a test, you know, for example, at home against Manchester United, when Manchester United uh, took the lead, they've come through it. So this is the big one. City defending champions. They are the, you know, they have been the best team in England for some time now. So, you know, if you're going to win the title, you're going to have to um, beat teams like City. And um, I should add that this is the first game between the two. It's a little bit late in the uh, piece to have the first uh, game between the two. But the second one is in April. Just feel that whoever wins this, if there is to be a winner, will um, strike a psychological blow. And it's not quite winner takes all, but this is a big game. It is indeed. Nigel, bid me thank you very much uh, for the team news there from the Emirates. Uh, Nigel posed the question there, David. 
is this team good enough? I will just be lazy and pose that question to you. Um, yeah, no, Arsenal team, mm. yeah, without doubt, they are. Yeah, they've yeah. already shown so far just the quality that they have. Even they, with this dip in form at the moment? Yeah, because like these, these are the dips in form that you're going to get during the season. Do you know what I mean? Maybe mm. in the last couple of years, the, the nature of how City and Liverpool have kind of set those standards, they maybe like their dip would be maybe a draw. You know, and whereas now obviously Arsenal had that draw against Brentford, were beaten by Everton. So now, obviously, naturally, because it's a team who have taken a lot of people by surprise this year, um, and being where they are, the questions are now going to be asked. But you, that's, you shouldn't discount what they've done in like the previous three months, three four months of the season, where they've been absolutely exceptional and have kind of like even that game against Manchester United a couple of weeks ago, like absolutely looked the class apart. They really did, and this could be a game where. The point's made there, and it's right. Like you know, what I mean, like Arsenal aren't going to win the league, but winning this game, see, likewise, City. Even though if City win, they'll go top of the league. That would be a bit of a that would be a blow. Arsenal still have a game in hand, but it could be maybe having a little bit of a dip. And on the back of this, this game where it's a game where Arsenal do have to maybe just show again that yeah that they are more than capable. Not so much for themselves because you can imagine you, you listen to the people in that dressing room and they all they all speak confidently. They all talk about the kind of the mentality and the attitude that Mikel Arteta seems to have instilled there. But now, obviously, this will just be another little test. And maybe if, if City were to get a result, a win there, then, yeah, people would start asking other questions of it. And But what they've shown so far in the season has been really, really impressive. And you would think that they would be capable of, of beating Man City as well because, like, City also haven't been, by by any means, at the same level that they were at. And even the game against Aston Villa at the weekend looked extremely vulnerable at times. So even when they went 3-0 up, so yeah, it's, it's you know it's going to be a good game later on. Looking forward to it. Who is going to win? My final question. In a word, Arsenal or Man City? I'm going to say a draw. A draw as well. What, so yeah, get I'm, off the I'm, fence, Nate. Well, well, the only way, what, what, the only way I'll get off the fence, and this isn't by me saying, I would say, having watched the Liam Brady documentary on RTE start this week, and having not much growth for Arsenal growing up and all the rest of it, for Liam Brady's sake, I hope Arsenal win. Okay, that's a very fair answer. David Snay, thank you very, very much. I'm sure we'll be chatting plenty in the uh, coming weeks and months. As the League of Ireland kicking season kicks off this weekend, David, nice one. Uh, Dean, Doherty is, Dean Doherty, I should say, is still with us and Ursula Jacob will be dialing in as we turn attention to football and camogie in a few moments' time. Game on on 2FM. Yeah, you're very welcome back to the final part of Game On, Nadine Doherty. I pronounced your name right this time. I just took a breath, say it a bit slower, uh, is still in Syria. And Ursula Jacob is on the line as well as we look ahead to the return of Camogie and indeed the uh, continuation of the Lidl's National uh, League. But before we do, um, I do want to get both your thoughts, Ursula and Nadine, um, on the progress I suppose that is being made uh, with the integration of all of the uh, associations so there was a statement released uh, from the steering group on integration, the SGI of the Camogie Association, the Gaelic Athletic Association and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, the group responsible for managing the integration of the three organisations who are continuing their work with a special emphasis on research and member engagement uh, for 2023, uh, formed under Chairperson Mary McAleese in September 2022. A comprehensive listening process across all three organisations has already commenced and will continue over the remainder of the year. the Satan then goes on to say pretty much that they'll meet with members of clubs operating a one club model, other clubs, players, representatives, county boards and other interested parties in the coming months. And later in the year then, uh, members from all three organisations will be afforded the chance to provide their views by way of a survey on the opportunities and challenges that full integration between uh, the three bodies will present. Nadine, if I come to you first, it, it's more just of a, a statement, I think, reading that as of just say, work is ongoing some work has been done there's a lot more to do like what's your general take are you is this where we're at or are you frustrated with how long it's taking or, or are you pleased with the, the, the process that is ongoing no I'd be I'd be relatively pleased um, Shane because I mean it's a huge process that they're mm. undertaking and uh, I think it will take time and we, we said that from the start you know you have three Uchtarons and three Ards Duhori there and I'd feel over the next couple of months they're just going to thrash it out as in you know what's going to work for them um, what changes it's, it's going to mean for each association what they want want to see changing what maybe they want to keep the same um, a huge positive for me is that they're going to those clubs who I suppose operate the one club model uh, which is what we're looking for but we're looking for it in a bigger scale and really pleased to see that they'll meet with players representatives that's a huge positive um, because at the end of the day you know it is about the players mm. underage and, and senior and so on so th- 
that's positive. Look, I just feel over the next two to three years that we're probably going to get a lot of statements like this. Um, and it is going to take time, but it it is. It's, it's positive. What I would love to see maybe, you know, if they do expand the steering group down the line. I think they have the, the right people who need to be there at present. But maybe down the line, you know, getting some players' representatives on the steering group. Um, and I, th- I think that would be a positive. But no, it's good. Mm. It's good. The steering group, of course, made up of uh, the three Uchtarons, Hilda Breslin from the Camogie Association, Larry McCarthy from the GA, and Miel Nocton from the LGFA, uh, as well as Sinead McNulty from Camogie, Tom Ryan from the GA, and Helen O'Rourke from the LGFA, Mary McAleese's chair and project managed by Mark Dorman. Uh, Ursula, do you share Nadine's positive sentiments? Yeah, I go along with the same as uh, Nadine. Um, for me, I think the most important thing right now is the whole process is done right from the start. I would rather it take a little bit longer for it all to be, te- you know, to, to go through any teething problems for everyone to get their voice heard. You know, it's a listening process right now too. You know, all, all voices you are going to be given equal opportunity to be heard and it's about doing things right from the start rather than just rushing it for the sake of it because obviously there's there that eagerness and um, from all parties to get this over the line. We all want to see the amalgamation happen, but we all want it to happen in the right way. So for me, it's moving in the right direction. It's got the right person steering the group uh, Mary McAleese was a fantastic leader um, she has her goals they have their milestones that they'll have to reach as well um, so yeah for me overall it's very positive and I think we're just all really excited about where it's going to go but it's great that they're listening to you know players going out to clubs that are in the one association model already so yeah onwards and upwards and I just think that the right person is is leading this uh, in Mary McAleese Absolutely. Just to give a very quick update on Ireland, Pakistan and the T20 Women's International. Pakistan uh, finished 165 for five off their 20 overs. Ireland are currently seven for not. They require 159 runs with 10 wickets remaining and 110 balls remaining. Uh, Ursa, let us move on to the return of the inter-county scene in the Camogie Leagues. Division 1A, Saturday 2pm, Cork versus Dublin. Saturday 2pm, Tipperary Galway. And on Sunday at midday, it is Clerical Kenny in 1B, Wexford Limerick uh, on Saturday uh, as well as Offaly Waterford uh, and Antrim v Down. A bigger picture here, Ursula, how much are you looking forward to the return of, of the leagues and what should we expect from this upcoming campaign? Yeah, well, uh, look, to be honest, I'm really excited about the fact that the, the leagues are starting. You know, I think we've come off the back of a couple of really exciting weeks of camogie, you know, with the, we had the, the club finals before Christmas, which were, were brilliant games. We had, you know, the Ashburn Cups, the Purcell Cups, you know, last weekend, brilliant games as well. And it's nice now that we've moved on to the inter-county scene. Um, obviously, you know, when I look at the, the games and even the structure of the league this year is interesting because the vision one itself has been graded into two groups so you've got six teams in each uh, you know division 1A and 1B and the top two teams from each um, uh, of the groups um, play in the final so for me that makes it really interesting obviously you've got the three big names in, in Cork, Kenny and, and Galway in 1A and only two of those can reach the final and I was even looking at the fixtures today the final round um, you, you, you'll see Cork and uh, you'll see Cork and Galway, uh, you know, possibly fighting for that that second place, and that's not showing any disrespect to to Clare, Dublin, or Tip, but you you would imagine that you'll possibly see two out of uh, the the Kilkenny, Cork, and Galway reaching um, and topping that topping that group. On on the other side with Division One B, for me, I think it's really interesting because you know even my own county Wexford, you know, they have a new manager in place, Colin Sunderland. He's actually my club mate. I've worked under him with Owler Tabalik with the Camogie, and and we've had huge success with Colin so I think it's a really exciting time for Wexford Camogie and I'd be eager to see Wexford progressing and building on the last couple of years and I think Colin's the right man for the job Um, you know he did a fantastic job with with our club Camogie team over the last couple of years and he's in there now he he brings things to a a professional level and you know they're up against Limerick on on Saturday and I just think it's exciting you even look at the other teams like Offaly and Watford they've got new managers in place Sean 
Power with Waterford. You know, he he won All Ireland's with with uh, Waterford Miners and under twenty one. So I think Waterford are the team to really watch this year. You know, they reached the semi final last year after what five attempts at the quarter final stage, and they finally got over that hurdle and they came up against a very experienced Cork team. Um, and I just think Waterford are really going to be pushing to get back into that semi final stage. But for me, for the different teams, there's lots to get out of the leagues. Obviously, you've got the likes of Kilkenny, Galways and Corks and Tips and that who are very established. But for the likes of Wexfords, Offleys, Waterfords, Dublins, who've got new managers involved, they're going to be looking to build momentum over the next few weeks, find out the strength and depth in the panel and see where you know they are come, come championship. But for me, it's just brilliant to have the games back. And you know, I think, different teams are at different stages and they'll have their own targets going forward in the league absolutely I suppose that is a good place to wrap but before we do this like bigger picture this is going to be so competitive given the new format and given what's at stake here and it's not just going to be a case of people looking for championship that this league is going to be a proper humdinger 100% 100% and, I, and I'd, I'd really encourage you know as many people to get out and watch these games even when you look at this weekend Clare and Kilkenny in the Camogie it's a double header with the Clare footballers playing Kildare and that's brilliant to see for me the more double headers with the, the men's game I think that just you know brings the, the audience to a bigger a bigger crowd um, but for me it's going to be a really competitive uh, league even in in 1B there you've got Antrim against Down at the weekend you know uh, they've built up such a healthy rivalry in the last couple of years so all of these teams you know the the strength and the standard of Camogie at the moment is just at its very very peak at the moment and I just think you know yeah we're seeing more and more games on the televisions but I'd love to see people actually going out and supporting the teams in the leagues because I've noticed over the last couple of years the league seems to matter just nearly as much as championship because I suppose there's a lot at stake there's possible relegation in the league as well if you finish at the bottom and then there's the chance to possibly play in Crow Park in a National League final and I know for a team like a Wadford a Wexford a Tipperary winning silverware is really really important so I think it's going to be a brilliant league I like the structure of the, the groups and I think it gives lots of uh, teams the, the possibility of reaching the final Absolutely Ursula Jacob thank you very much for taking the call we'll uh, dive a bit deeper into that when we see the form of the teams depending on the results uh, this weekend so healthy rivalries says Ursula Jacob in the Camogie healthy rivalries in the Gaelic football as well Nadine big weekend uh, this weekend Kerry Dublin Always, uh, that's a proper rivalry. Uh, as always, I say with my Dublin hat on, Mead, Mayo, Donegal, Waterford and Galway v Cork. Kerry Dublin is on the box. It's on TG Carr. Uh, last time they met competitively was uh, back in 2019, which I was surprised to, to, to hear about. Yeah, and now, that's as far as I know, um, but I can't remember them, you know, in the last couple of years, mm. facing off. And I suppose you look at both of them, Kerry, they're top of the table, Dublin have been there. They're, what are they, third? But when I look at Dublin, you know, I suppose they've kind of thrown any kind of structure out the window in terms of a system. And it's great to see. And, you know, Mick Bowen spoke last week about how he's basically using this league to identify players who are, you know, going to be there come championship. Kerry, on the other hand, while they are definitely building their squad and they're looking to really, really build their squad for, for championship. They haven't been massively impressive in their general play um, but they you can just tell by them and the way they're playing, they want to really stamp some authority on the league this year, mm. just like we saw Meath, I suppose last year. Um, Kerry just want to show everybody that you know it wasn't a fluke that they got to that final this year and look, they're, they're top of the league. They were sitting in Division 2 last year, which is incredible. And Eking um, out results. Oh, big time. Free. Big time. They really are, but you know what? We, we were chatting earlier about how competitive the league is you know Kerry beat Donegal last week by two points Donegal are bottom of the division they beat Mayo the week before by a point and Mayo are second bottom so that's the, the fine margins mm. um, but again look looking at both teams they are where they are in the league because they're scoring goals that's and and you know their key players are their their forwards at the minute their key players and their most experienced players so you have Hannah Turrell and Carla Rowan they're going to be facing off against Louise Noah Hurtig and Chief Roche and then you have Dublin you know you have Keeve O'Connor Kate Sullivan up front and Kerry likewise Neve Carmody Anna Galvin so look their big players are up front uh, it is a tough one to call um, I think Kerry might edge it 
because okay. they're at home mm-hmm. and I think they'll actually play their stronger team whereas I feel Dublin will continue to experiment Dublin don't care about winning a league I feel Kerry m- might have their eye on, on trying to win a league so that might might edge Kerry ahead OK well that one throws in at a quarter past five in Austin Stark Park in Tralee on Saturday evening uh, we're not going to go chronologically let's move on to Sunday at 2pm in Pierce Stadium Galway v Cork Galway have I think somewhat changed their game plan uh, depending on the opposition so how will they face up tactically against Cork come Sunday yeah it's like what Galway will we see this week uh, will it be I suppose the high pressing energetic and really impressive Galway that we saw completely demolish Dublin in that second half a few weeks ago or will it be I suppose the cautious slow paced Galway that changed their own system I feel to manage Donegal but listen and, and Meath but they got mm. results in all three games so you have to give it to them look I just look at Galway and I think this year on paper they're the team to beat um, okay. yeah I do you know and we've talked about them before and they frustrate the life out of me because I think they, they've had an All-Ireland in them for about five years but they just seem to have a good blend now you have those Kilcarran club players who've grown in confidence they're that year older I mean Kate Slevin is you know waltzing about the 45 they're like a Shane Walsh playing unbelievable football um, and the amount of players they have to come in Shane it's, it's unreal so listen I just feel it's theirs to lose this year and I know that's very early and it's a big statement but on paper that that's what it's looking like and listen Cork they've been so entertaining up front and then at the back they've been like a whirlwind you're not really sure what's going to happen with them and in fairness to them it's kind of been a combination of poor kickouts which have been their Achilles heel over the years but they've, they've changed their keeper this year so that might change and listen positional switches I think management have to take a little bit of responsibility for their, their meltdown last week they put Hannah Looney in full back they had Marie O'Callaghan in full back on Hannah Turrell and no disrespect to Hannah but Hannah wasn't causing huge problems mm. until they made those changes so um, Cork I feel uh, again no more than Dublin I think they'll just continue with no system let players play football see what players are about um, whereas Galway let's see who shows up what Galway mm. they're going to be very difficult to beat um, but will it be the fast paced or the, the slower um, but I think Galway should they should edge it they, okay. they I'll hold you to that now in, in a few months I know Galway, yeah yeah we'll take score so 2pm Sunday in Pierce Stadium um, 2pm the previous day Saturday in Park Tolchin Mead v Mayo Mead v Mayo 6th v 7th yeah, didn't think we'd be saying that mm. coming into round four. Uh, listen, with me, I suppose I feel they've grown um, in terms of they've they've built a little bit of momentum week by week. We're seeing a few familiar faces coming back. You know, Emma Duggan came off the bench last week, scored three great points. She gives them that balance. You know, she evens them out. Hopefully, she'll start for them this week. I think for me, if they get a win this week, they're they're safe. You know, they're they're relatively safe. Um, and as well for them being at home in Park Talton, you know, here in our encourage people to get out and watch games All the crowd there the, the, the crowd there is unbelievable yeah. I mean and and that's what you want every county I suppose supporters to do like get out and support them like Meath so that's a huge it's a huge advantage for them because you can see the Meath players they're buzzing when their home fans are around uh, look, Mayo are struggling they're, they've been really slow starters Shane they haven't been able to put together 60 minutes of football um, they've struggled up front uh, could be a draw I okay. think maybe. Um, okay. That's if, fair. That's yeah, fair. yeah. So, uh, but may all want to improve big time. Okay. Uh, very briefly, uh, I apologise for rushing you, but your own Donegal against Waterford. Uh, Donegal, unfortunately, zero wins, three losses. Uh, Waterford surprise package. Can Donegal get the first points on the board? Uh, I think they're going to struggle to be honest they would have identified this game I'd say as a game they could get points on the board but Waterford haven't really been a surprise they're literally just it's coming together for them that potential and they've added a few scoring forwards now they they go 20 minutes in a game without scoring so Donegal might look to exploit that but it's just hard to see where the Donegal scores are coming from Listen, they could, but it'll be an uphill uphill battle for them. Okay, great stuff, Nadine. We'll be chatting uh, next week. Thank you, as always. Just before we go, Chelsea team news is in. Kepa, James, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly, Chilwell, Enzo, Loftus-Cheek, Ziyech, Jao Felix, Mudrick, Havertz from all of the game on team. Have a great evening. Better the Silva is up next after the news. RTE 2FM.